the bottom rack. What the world is listening to. Previously, on the bottom rack. Metal versus monster. Shit, this looks like a better uh, Transformers film, as you said, than Bayformers and some of the most rad box art. Once again, the Asylum does it. I mean, that probably was one poster, and to save money, they cut it into two different <laughs> boxes. I mean, quite honestly, that'd be a smart thing to do. All of a sudden, the the ribboning begins again. <laughs> and the oh. ribboning. The guy says, I'm not sure what's below us. Hold on, let me draw these depth charts. Hold on, let me find blow out. it up. Find yeah. <laughs> what Why is this? not? Georgia? I mean... <laughs> this is Daniel, you know, the other day. Whoa, we ain't five minutes in. There's already a monster. It's like 10 minutes of this has more action than most of the first film. Fix the things that were broken in the first one, but breaks a whole lot of other things. <laughs> And now, the exciting conclusion. The bottom rack. Mockbuster Summer. <laughs> Paul is just one of those, like, he's like the, uh, Jeff, well, I forgot his name. The guy from Godzilla. He's just doing his nature. That's all. <laughs> it's like, we can't get mad at him whenever he's just sitting there eviscerating these films right in front of everybody's ears. And he's just like, oh, a plot? Rips that thing out. Like, yeah, there was nothing there the whole time. Oh, actors. Yep. No need for them either. But, you know, don't mind. That's just Paul. He's just doing what Paul does. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, well, we love wanna... our... and we love you for it, Paul. Of course. Uh, Why do I think I, I have you on here? Oh, exactly. I mean, and... <laughs> I mean, if everybody were to to be like at the level that you guys are with excitement and, and like guys, you passion, you guys. Well, you know what I mean. <laughs> I mean, just like I, I, that's why I, I I just I don't unless you call on me or if there's an opportunity, I won't say anything. Well, until, you need to, you're the voice of reason. What is it called? Gravitas. Well, you're, you're, you ground you ground us seriously because I'm just a kid. You just say big yep. robot Metal Gear, and I'm gone. It's like why gotta me. reel us in, Paul. Ooh, ninja. That, that's 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 what I'm doing, and that's what I'm trying to do, anyways. But uh, eventually, you're going to hit an asylum film that I'm just absolutely am going to love, and it'll be the one that you guys hate. <laughs> it, it may as well end up being like an episode of Fraggle Rock or a Muppets comes to be like, ooh, ninja. <laughs> Daniel, huh? <laughs> Metal Gear. Metal Gear. Woo! <laughs> ah! Ah! Anyway. I want you to do a podcast of just that live cast just, with just that. Just, yep. Just the. Oh. oh, my God. If we made sock puppets. Oh, <laughs> I have Ubi eyes. I just I'm trying to find some that are bigger. They don't fit my I like these super fat lug nut fingers here so it doesn't fit <laughs> but if i could find the ubi eyes and then have the little ubi face and then i could do movie reviews with me and the other me right, right. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be great. I, I have watched way too many asylum films are y'all ready to kick this one off we yeah do let's this. do this yeah all right all right let's go pick it up all right, everybody's peed. We drained the vein. <laughs> All right, let's go. go. Let's go. Come on, come yes, on. <laughs> Thank you. Let's go. Let's go. Moving out. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the finale. This is it. It has come to this. Man to man, 
and Angelique, mono and mono and womano, shirts and skins, <laughs> eggs over medium. This is the final episode for the 2020 issue of the Mockbuster Summer Kaiju. Remember, to climb to the top, sometimes you have to reach for the bottom, and this has been a hell of a bottom that we have been through this year. We've had some ups, we've had some downs. This has been pretty cool, actually. I am Daniel. My friends call me Dan, Daniel, Lynn, whatever, whatever you want to call me, and I am the host, your humble little host for Bottom Shelf Entertainment. Bottom Shelf Entertainment for your top shelf lifestyle, but... This is no ordinary bottom rack episode that you might hear me on Astro Radio Z. This time, we're going the full Monty. This time, I take my time. With, oh, what's that? Somebody laughed about that. What you want, but do I have to do the propeller again? No, but if I got to take my clothes off, that's fine. But my kids might be disturbed. <laughs> Grow up never. I mean, I'm always it. up for a propeller. So. <laughs> right. I don't want to do that, kid. You grow up never feeling quite like a real man. That's right. They call me tripod. Bro. Anyway, that's way too much. Hi, I'm Dan. Did I introduce myself? Welcome to allow me to introduce myself with the bottom rack to my right and left. Actually, we have a cadre of professionals at this table this time because I can't do it by myself. The Earth Defense Force and now the fifth because of Justin from Monsters Madness and Magic.com. Mr. Justin Young, how you doing? Doing great. Uh, I've already booked my one-way ticket to Monster Island. <laughs> I love the catchphrases, dude. I have to do like a montage. These shitty one-liners you were giving me this entire time. This Those is are my icebreakers. <laughs> oh yeah, this windbreakers more like. <laughs> Beside him, Paul Salzer, the forsaken ferret himself, the man who brings gravitas to our little table. How you doing, Paul? Doing well. How are you? I'm fine, considering we just spoke like 10 minutes ago. But yeah, doing great. <laughs> awesome. I enjoy talking to you. Oh, yeah. I'm, I I'm like loving talking it. to you too, Paul. Yeah. <laughs> Are you ready for this one? You think I am so ready. I'm so ready. Holy shit. <laughs> All right. All right. Anybody who is involved in this film, Paul is ready. He has his, he's got the napkin tied behind his neck, and he's sitting <laughs> there with his fork and his knife, and he looks like he's ready to go to town. Mark, the movie man, sitting beside Paul. Paul's obviously drooling over this one. Before I turn him loose on that, how are you doing, Mark? I'm doing well. Can't wait for Monster Island, though. Uh, yeah, Monster Island. Uh, did, now, did you say Caldera or Cod, uh, Cadre of reviewers? Because Caldera is the keyword of the day. I'm just going to put that out right now. <laughs> that Caldera look. is going to be the keyword of the day. <laughs> Ready to assist you, Pee Wee. Morning, Cocky. What's today's secret word? Today's secret word is Keld Keld Caldera. Look, you all know what to do for the rest of the day. When anyone says the secret word, scream real loud. Okay. Okay. Keld, Keld, Caldera. Thank God they didn't get Toshi Toda or that guy from the Godzilla movies to try to say that word. Could you imagine how? I know it, I know, but it's funny because apparently English is not their primary language. So could you imagine saying, Koda. What? <laughs> Koda. What? It'd be like American Ninja, the Kobudera. <laughs> uh -uh. I've seen this movie. Hell no. No, they're big monsters. 
No, anyway, sorry about that. Martin, the movie man, he's right. Well, not there because on the other side to my left this time, it's Angelique Bone. How are you? I, I am, I'm good. I'm, I'm ready to take this on. I can see heat <laughs> radiating from you. Like you're I've normal, got magma for blood. I mean, <laughs> you're normally radiant as it is, but at this time, like you might melt the camera. You look seething, <laughs> teeming as even. So, <clears throat> the final movie, ladies and gentlemen, is called Monster Island. This little piece came out. Uh, 2019 is the date on the <laughs> on the ever reliable IMDb.com. So if we take that. But whatever you will. 2019 looks like it was the shelf date for this bad boy. So it's called Monster Island. Now, I have saved this one. I know, I think it came out around this time last year, but we were done with the Mockbuster Summer from last year. And that's kind of what inspired me to do Kaiju is I had this and some other flicks set to the side. And this is one of them. I figured, ah, I'll just wait for it. You know, let's, we're going to savor the taste. So I've been marinating on this box art for a whole year. <laughs> so ladies and gentlemen, if you want to play along with us at home, pull your box art up because we're going to use this for the bottom rack criteria. I have two main criteria. No, I do not set out to just doo-doo all over a film. I don't like watching films that I don't like. I try to find, <laughs> even if I don't like them, I try to find something that I do like. So in this case, pull up the Monster Island box art. Now, this is not the Carmen Electra Nick Carter movie. This is Monster Island from 2019. It stars Eric Roberts and to Toshi Toda, or is it Toshi Toda, or whatever. It's a Japanese dude who's been in some stuff that you would recognize him from if you IMDb his list of credits. So this little thing here, we have, of course, their names up top in the same Bank Gothic LT light that Asylum seems to really enjoy right now. And under that, you've got Askew Monster Island with some 3D-looking text. And man, we got some hellacious box art. I mean, this thing's making, there's a lot of promises being made here. Uh, Angelique, <laughs> walk me through this box art because this is, I mean, you tell me what you got. What, what do we got here? Well, we've got, you know, central focal point is a big old humanoid creature with... I don't know how to describe the head. I mean, it's <laughs> like <laughs> gents. Um, <laughs> um, it, it, it looks like a xenomorph that's been badly burned, I guess. And it's got a laser beam coming from <laughs> yeah. somewhere. I don't know what orifice that is on this particular creature yet. So, <laughs> um, in the background, we've got a, a, a what looks like a, a Godzilla to me um, with laser hands. Then yep. we've got something with wings on the other side with some fire. Um, you've got destruction buses again, a train, um, a crocodile-looking thing. The big crocodile-looking thing. And what's yeah. The what's the tagline? I mean, this is if this artwork. The tagline. Has you, there's a line up on here. What does it say? <laughs> the heavyweight championship has begun. And what does this imply? 
that there's going to be a battle between two big old monsters. It's going to be a throwdown. Ladies yeah. and gentlemen, if you looked at this thing, I'll give you my opinion. Now, other than the bottom portion, like the bottom 25% of the artwork, it looks like it, this, honestly, this artwork looks like a sci-fi post-apocalyptic Rambo playground wet dream I would have had as a 12-year-old kid. Like, you throw Rambo on this thing, and I'm done. Movie of the year. Movie of the decade. Okay, if this was a Rambo flick with giant monsters, because seriously, the way this artwork makes it look, these things look like bosses out of a God of War game. And I am so down. And yes, the implication is the heavyweight championship has begun. Mark, the artwork, man. I mean, is this kind of thing appeal to you? Um, unfortunately, they take the Marvel... And yes, I am in. I am. I am invoking the name of the MCU. Uh-oh. They've kind of taken the Marvel approach to movie posters to try to cram as much shit as possible <laughs> onto a single regular one sheet. I'm sorry, Marvel. Over the last years, you watch over yes. that progression of ten years. They try to cram more shit on it, and that's what they're doing here. But those at least deliver because everyone, <laughs> <Those are good. laughs> everyone you see on the poster, every all the elements you see on the poster are actually in the film. So even though they cram a lot of shit on there, you see that shit. Monster Island. Um, we'll I don't get know. there. I, yeah. Would you at no, least this, watch this? There's a palm tree on the co- on the cover, the, so the, that the, implies yeah. island. Yeah. It, I've seen this on the shelf many times and I've kind of avoided it because I can't quite tell what's going on. This is one of those where if you, unlike Hornet or even Atlantic Rim Job and Atlantic Rim Job Resurrection, you walk past those on the video shelf. You're like, oh, hey, you do one of those kind of back neck things where your head sticks and, <laughs> yeah. looks and the rest of your body goes and you come back, you know, the body comes back, goes, oh, that looks kind of interesting. You look past this, it just looks like, if you're just walking past this, you see Monster Island and a smear of color, like a (laughs) kid dumped their watercolors on a piece of paper. So it doesn't interest you outside of the title, which you're like, wait, did they remake the Godzilla film? You know? Yeah. uh, But but there's nothing, there's, the, the way the color palette and everything is, unless you actually stop and actually look at it, you can't tell walking past what's going on on this thing at all. So it, it, for me, it's a mess. I mean, the, the title, yeah, is great, but I can't quite make hide nor hair outside of the winged thing in the back. Really, you know, but the heavyweight championship has begun. That's promising me going, okay, so we're going to have a whole lot of monsters fighting each other in this movie. As I, you talk about, I mean, wrestling sound effects galore oh, yeah. in this episode. <laughs> I mean, you got, hello, everybody. I mean, Gene Okelins, and he's going to sit there, and you're going to have, let me tell you something, Gene. Whenever I look down from the top of Monster Island, yeah. and I see all the little Hulkamanians down there, <laughs> and they're wondering, what am I going to do on the bottom rack? And they're reaching up to me, and I'm reaching down with the biggest pythons in the business, brother, and I'm going to reach down and grab Daniel, and I'm going to pull Daniel up to the top with the rest of the monsters we're gonna go all yeah that's what i'm thinking we're gonna go and randy said coming from the (laughs) justin beat me to the randy (laughs) (laughs) justin beat me with the randy oh man he he beat me with he beat me with the randy savage oh i'm gonna get you oh yeah (laughs) i'm gonna fire yeah yeah would i mean (laughs) 
<laughs> smear of color. Paul. Yes. <laughs> yes, Paul. Your turn. <laughs> oh, so, uh, so the, the monster in the... Yeah, the uh, it's fine. The monster in the uh, lower right, I think his head is upside down because his eye is on his jaw, if you look at it. But it doesn't matter. It, it's not in the movie anyway. It's so not in the movie. <laughs> but but that, it, it just, it's kind of weird looking. Uh, the, the monster above that looks like he's from a D&D type thing. So you kind of like, oh, is this kind of like a fantasy film? And the, the sci-fi aspect is the creature behind. So yeah, it does, it does invoke, yeah, hey, they're going to have a really good battle. There's going to be something going on. But obviously, that doesn't get delivered. What does actually, what draws me to this film is Eric Roberts. I mean, he was the best of the best. What draws me to the film? That's, that's honestly, if, if, you, if you took him away from, from this, I would not watch the movie at all. Or I would have watched it because of Mockbusters. Uh, summer. Oh, I appreciate that. <laughs> but if I, if I were to go through like Walmart or something like that and saw this on the shelf, no. Eric Roberts. Oh, maybe I'll pick it up. I'll turn it over. Hey, it sounds like he's got a major part in this film. <laughs> you you obviously haven't been paying attention to most indie films over the last ten years. That, have that's you? true. That's true. That's true. <laughs> But then I would have got to the part, oh, produced by the asylum. <laughs> uh. like, can we, can we across the store? <laughs> before we get into it, if, if everybody wouldn't mind, I would just like to add, though, that the one thing, regardless of asylum and how cheesy and, and, and bad or whatnot their films are, one thing is they give people like Toshi Toda opportunities to have their name at the top of the marquee because yep. Toshi Toda, if you look at his, yeah, he was in things. He's played things like Asian storefront guy. He's played literally one of his titles is like Asian, Asian, uh, you know, tourist. He played a Japanese boat captain in the 1998 film. Okay. Mm -hmm. But here his name's at the top of the list. This guy is like, you know, you're like, all right. So throughout the years, at least Asylum has given people who maybe have only been B-list or small parts in films a chance to at least be a little bit more front and center right. in a film, regardless of how bad it, they're at least getting work and they're getting ex uh, uh, chances that other people would have never have given them. You're right. In a million True. years. True. Like William Cat. Very well said. Uh, I'll be, I'm glad you brought that up with the actor's aspect. I'll be touching back on that later mm -hmm. on, but I'm, I'm glad you brought that up front. Now, Justin, speaking of up front, this box art, man. I mean. Um, well, there's a lot going on. <laughs> <laughs> there's more going on on this cover than goes on in the movie. So please yeah, absorb I, it. Just even like the previous two, uh, uh, covers. I think if you add this one to the right of the other one, it just expands even more. It's like the same poster. It's just cut out <laughs> number three on the other side. They've even got buses here too, so it's just like a street over almost. <laughs> and palm trees. I said the box art man. If you had a couple of dudes with some machine guns, this is like Guerrilla War Part Two on the NES. And I am so in this. This is almost just a complete person. I mean, to, like. 
the heavyweight championship has begun. I better see a turnbuckle elbow. I better see somebody body slam somebody else. I want to see something get thrown through a building. I want to see a chair or an illegal object, a laser beam, something. A Godzilla tail slide? Something. Yeah. Yeah, or like where he just picks up, just lays down, but in the air and just kind of slides, flies to the (laughs) enemy for that super mega drop kick. I mean, this is, this poster is implying what, this is later. Actually, no, uh, King, the War of the Monsters was on the Super Nintendo, but I know y'all remember, I think it was War of the Monsters or King of the Monsters, that arcade game. It was an isometric style game that basically was a wrestling game, but you were giant monsters. Yep, King of the and, Monsters. Yeah. And you could pick each other up, and you would body slam them and punch them. You could be like a giant robot. Of course, you'd be the Godzilla character. Or, I mean, that is what this is implying. So let's see if we actually get into this. <laughs> I'll, start th- uh, I'll start this one off. <clears throat> because as the movie opens up, we are treated to once again, if on a scale of 10, the musical score for this thing is at least a 17, maybe even an 18. Like the scores and cues are so dynamic. However, I think there was a lot of library use on this. Like I heard a lot of library stings and stuff that I could, I could identify. Now it's not to say that the composer didn't use good libraries because the orchestration is fantastic. I mean, we got call leg, Noah Bartok slapping the cello, plucking the strings to get that clicking noise. You got a lot of stings and risers for the tension. Again, the James Horner stuff, but so the movie kicks off with that. You got the bank Gothic made for sci-fi original. You got that. And it says 20,000 years ago. And we got like this high speed camera going over the ocean. And we see a roar. And we see something's like and falls over. And that's it. I mean, it was like five seconds that I didn't even see. It took watching this the third time to actually realize what that was. But I'm not even going to spoil that (laughs) because people might want to watch this for the first time. But yeah, we get something that roars and falls over. That's the opening of the movie. And, And that's it. We have no clue what that is. And because of the lighting and the way it was comped out, until unless you've watched it three times, you're not even gonna know what it is. <laughs> it just happens. So then we open up with the real and actual movie. Mark, what's happening? Uh, well, uh, we get a uh, ROV underwater remote uh, uh, device that is apparently on the bottom of the ocean looking for stuff for a mining company, and. At first, you think, oh, are these two people we see with the one joystick and headset, are they in this thing? Because, <laughs> you know, they're, the way the, the, where they're sitting looks like your standard asylum cockpit, but it's not. <laughs> you find out that it's actually a remote device. Yes. And so while, and, and they're run by a, a billionaire or whatever who has this, uh, while they're doing the roving and talking mm-hmm. about illegally taking mine samples, we're cut with what I think is a reporter who has given them a hard time, like an <laughs> eco reporter, yet she works for a network. Don't really know. She's just, she just really is rude. She is just, just about, a rancorous, <laughs> snarky creature. She is a snarky creature towards uh, this guy who 
you're not quite sure if he's supposed to be the jackass millionaire or the the nice <laughs> philanthropist. You have no idea how you feel about you're supposed to feel about this guy. The whole movie. <laughs> the whole movie. The whole movie. You do not understand how, uh, played by Adrian uh, Boucher, uh, Billy Ford, he owns this mining company, this big mining company, which is run by him and his two uh, drone operators. Anyway, he's taking him on a tour while they're looking at the bottom. And this is present day. The, the flashback, just if I take a step back, that took place 20,000 20, years ago. Years ago. <laughs> that was 20,000 years ago where something that you can't quite tell happened until after you watch the movie the first time, you know what's going on. Anyway, so present day, they're down there mining. And wouldn't you figure, just as he's about to show the world, aka the local news network to the eco-reporter, the drone goes down because it is smashed and uh we don't know it's smashed yet well, at least they don't and so he's embarrassed and so they decide to go out personally for a salvage uh mission to get this expensive equipment and uh yeah i mean that's not all of the, that's what happens here we get to the little cgi yeah. tentacle which looked really cool yeah the the rover looked really cool uh yeah we meet, i mean we meet one of the Two one of the characters I really like, Riley, because this guy, you swear, he's like, this is going to go on my acting reel. Because this guy throughout <laughs> this whole movie is like there. He I changes mean, three different he, characters. He changes uh -huh. into three yeah. different characters through the whole thing. And all of them, God bless him, I love him for it because he is just... He is all in. He's like, I don't care if this is asylum. I'm going to fucking act the shit out of this That's role. It. <laughs> and so they go out and scavenging in, with a group of characters who I would love to have their own movie, a French yep. charter captain. I'm a, I want this one on Paul. We are yes. introduced to 90% of the cast. Now, Mark has laid it out because, yeah, we had the drone. We had the Little Miss Snark Queen. I mean, gosh, she was so rancorous, man. It was wow. So we've gotten all of this, and now we have to go get that underwater vehicle. And we are introduced to, as I mentioned, 90% of the cast of this film right within the first five minutes of this thing. So uh, who else have we introduced? We've got the, the French guy. I guess he's French. Boat captain, captain Mato, yeah, captain because Mato. I mean he checks all the boxes, right? If you were looking for a French <laughs> captain stereotype, he is what I would envision. I didn't, I could look at him and I knew exactly what he was. So who are the rest of these people, Paul? Uh, there is a uh, observer from a uh, government uh, agency, I guess. Right, and I can't remember her name. I remember the other uh, <laughs> character's name. Yeah. Charisse, I think, was the other one's name. Yeah, Charisse was the other one, the mm -hmm. third person. Yeah. Does this make her Sarah then? The, yeah. the, the, Murray. Dr. Murray. Murray or something like that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, yeah. I, uh, I did. So, when we get introduced to that character, I actually was surprised. I figured that this will be the typical introduction of the two rivals. You're going to get the rich guy and you're going to have the government agency and they're, they're going to like bump heads. And they right. didn't do that. And that surprised me. And I was like, whoa, I had to, had to take a step back. Uh, I loved the captain. I wish I would have had more of the, that character. He was uh, fine. Yeah. yeah. And then General Horn gets introduced just slightly later on that, right. in that aspect. I liked him too. And that leads me to the big problem I had with the, the uh, acting. It wasn't the acting itself. 
It was mm-hmm. that it seemed like they put all of the actors in isolation. It's like, okay, yeah, uh, we're going to do all of Eric Roberts' lines together all in one day just to get, you know, save money, get <laughs> him out. Just to say we had him. Well, they yeah. had him for one day. So yeah, you, exactly. you have him for one day, you got to get all the... You get all the parts, and then and then because they did that, there was this weird like interaction between the two. And there, at one point at the beginning of the film, it seemed like all of the characters weren't talking to each other. There was a scene eventually where um, the horn is actually talking to right. Ford, but for the almost for the beginning part, like Ford, uh, Ford would just be talking into this fake phone to nobody that's there. Horn would be doing the same thing, and I'm like, okay, they're not really talking to each other. Uh, <laughs> um, so yeah, that was the only real problem I had with the, uh, with the acting. What, what was specifically your question again? <laughs> no, it was just like your take on the actors. Cause we're introduced to yeah. the character to the characters. Cause you get most of them yeah. and they have to go and get the sub. Now, I mean, we're dealing with some, this is 2019 when this film came out. So this yeah. is one of the most recent asylum films at the, at the time of this viewing. Yes, yeah. this is Some actually of, one of the most recent. Hornet is pro, is the most recent on our list. The characters' I mean, motivations were a little bit uh, like flat. But, no, yeah. But I, <laughs> you, I mean thought Billy, they, you mean Billy Ford, who you have yeah. no idea where he <laughs> Why? stands the whole damn movie? <laughs> <laughs> but it, well, I mean, like Teresa's thing when we're first introduced to her, it was like, okay, she's. She's going to play this maverick type, and that's all she basically plays. It's like, oh, yeah, we're going to break the rules. We're going to, it's going to cost us a lot of money to come back to the site. She does it one time. Yeah. Well, (laughs) but that's it. That's all that you ever really get of her. Yeah. Uh, But that said, I think out of the movies that we watched, uh, I appreciated the acting in this film. And it might be because I've been exposed to the acting of the other other films (laughs) and that this has finally gotten to me. But for some reason, as I was watching this film, I felt like this was the best acted of all the films. And I thought, you know, here, here was my excuse. Oh, they just honed their craft more. And then as I was talking with you right now, I just, that's, that's when I came up with that. The thing is like, oh, 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 crap. It's probably because I've been indoctrinated into the into into one the one of us yeah one of one us, us. <laughs> welcome to the club it took a little <laughs> bit but i knew i would have you converted i already said it speaking of converted because i, I there is a method to this eric roberts is the reason that you're here paul because i want to get your take on the best of the best but we okay. haven't gotten there yet let's get to the rest of the rest justin so we're introduced to these characters we got to go underwater i mean so far with the special effects that we're seeing and the, the underwater drones and stuff and the characters. I mean, is the movie looking promising? I mean, in terms of uh, the effects and everything, this is probably the best movie that I've seen of the asylum. <laughs> Let's go get a gasp sound effect. But uh, Yeah, they get in the sub and they go down <laughs> to try to get this uh, rover. So and, what are they doing? What is the whole reason? Did you gather why they're underwater in the first place? I mean, they established it, but I didn't even get this until like, I mean, the first time I had watched Something it. huge destroyed their rover, so the wise thing to do would be to go in there yourself. And <laughs> find it, poke it and find out, hey, why'd you do that to my rover? <laughs> and next time, don't forget your vegan cheese. That's, oh my God, could we have done, all right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not picking on you, Angelique, but I had to because you're a chick. Let's say we're okay. on. A, let's say we're on a first date, 
and I'm going to take you deep sea diving for a lost submarine drone that my idiot employees decided to break the international maritime laws as well as federal, state, and local laws just to try to find some kind of volcanic sample. So now I have to go and fetch this millions of dollar rover. So I'm going to bring you along. We're going to get in my sub. We're going to go down really deep, like however deep they said, because I said three miles or something like that. Something like yeah. that. I'm going to take you down there. Maybe I'll have a TV. Maybe I'll even have an asylum flick. I am not going to bring up Cheetos or cheese or any kind of <laughs> lactose. <laughs> I feel like that would be a deal killer. Am I correct in this and assuming that any kind of thing like that would be a little weird or maybe just kind of like <laughs> not cool? Well, I mean, you, you know how to get a gal in your submarine. First. <laughs> you know, I'm sold on that. Um, yeah, hell yeah, let's go see what destroyed that. Let's get in the sub, let's rock. But yes, um, talking about any kind of, of gastric upset the cheetos. or emanations, <laughs> not not so good for the first date. Leave that for date three. Okay, okay that's the third <laughs> date, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> However, I did want to circle to you. I wanted to hurry up and tread the water to pardon the pun. Actually, no, I meant that. Tread the water to this moment. Angelique, you saw the cover. I did. The championship has begun. Whenever I look down, brother, and I see all of these monsters on the cover, I'm going to expect there to be some kind of championship on the line, okay, brother? I'm going to expect to hear Ted DiBiase. He's over there with his giant ape, and they're going to come crashing through. But what's Hulkamanian going to do? I'm going to have Godzilla over here, brother, and we're going to take the fight to him, okay? Do we get that? What do we get? Well, we get Angelique? an intro. What's we get your... an intro. We get an intro to a creature. And, hey, you know what? <laughs> The first part of the Royal Rumble is the walk to the ring. You yeah, got to bring right. us in. You got to bring us in. You know what? There's this starfish looking thing underwater that's well, destroying you shit. It. There it you is. know, you, you got to amp me up. Give me that music. Give me that drama. Give me that struggle. Yeah. My submarine's now stranded on a thing, and Nihilus Jacques Cousteau even warned you, you don't want to go down there because the abyss was based on a true story. <laughs> no <laughs> skulls, but here that comes was, my creature. That was my question. All right, the whole payoff for this. I mean, it's, it's rumble time. The championship match has begun. Out of all... I got to shout this one. Out of all the creatures in the ocean... To pick, <laughs> we pick the, the most immobile creature. It's like picking the sloth in that Zootopia movie. The sloth yeah. at the DMV. Yeah. They're just they're gonna pick. Anyway, it's the giant star. Angelique, how did you feel? Were you thinking that this was just a pump fake? That like, ah, oh, this is just <laughs> the first. This, this, oh, that, that's just nothing. This is the re the real one's coming. This is just yeah. This. You can see my face. <laughs> 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 like I said, I could see steam coming off. There's a heat radiating, almost like your blood is magma. My blood is magma. Um, yeah. I mean, it can slap the surface of the water with its legs. <laughs> so can I. <laughs> Might as well have hired me. Um, yeah. I <laughs> Kind of a disappointment. I mean... I was bummed. I Mark, was bummed. 
what are your thoughts? A giant starfish? Is this it? Were you thinking there was going to be more or what? Because a lot of this movie is just them stranded on a starfish tentacle. What I was impressed is the sheer blatant setup of mentioning the abyss and the <laughs> sheer ripoff of the final scene from the abyss in this film with a thing trapped on a big starfish type creature that raises up to the water that they don't get the bends at all for. But besides <laughs> that, I'm like, okay, no, I, I didn't have a problem with it because I'm like, okay, we at least get a creature. This is cool. I get, okay, this is the start of something. We've got one. We got our first creature. Yeah, we got one. We've got one. Let's get going. Let's get going. For an hour, I was like, let's get next going. creature. <laughs> <laughs> next creature. Come on. It's called Monster Island. We're not even on an island right now. We're still on this creature. They're still um, on there, stranded in their sub. Again, a sub <laughs> that is a terrain sub that they're above water and they're worried about running out of oxygen. <laughs> so Riley's he, character changes to the next character. Right, right. It, Riley was reluctant to be in the sub himself. He's like, can't we just send a remote? I want to send a remote. Look, we've got another freaking remote. Let's just, you know, but he loves his remotes too. So he didn't want it damaged. He's like, <laughs> my babies, we only got two remotes. And then, yeah, then when they see the monster, they're trapped on top of it. He kicks into a, uh, like, he goes love emotion. Man. He goes all Lovecraft. He just anime, saw sad, Yeah, he's like sad anime. He's like sad anime character. All he needed was the nose bubble out of his <laughs> nose because his eyes are constantly red, like he's about to just burst into freaking tears. He's just nuts. Like, just, uh, I know it. <laughs> and then they have to climb out. Now, what are your thoughts on the set pieces? Because we're about to get to the part I want Paul's opinion on. So uh, we'll get to the best of the best. But before the best, let's do the rest. What are your thoughts, Mark, on that sub set, man? The emphasis on sub. The, it, yeah, sub, the submersible. Um, I will say that the had a lot of things going on in the cockpit outside of just, just two joysticks. <laughs> I, a warning to anyone listening who may be of at all interest in this, if you do suffer from seizures, you may want to avoid the cockpit scene that you get because there is a seizure-inducing strobe light for whatever apparent reason right above the door where yep. our actors are for the beginning scene of when they first come up. So I'm just warning you now, seizure warning, it will induce it because I was like, what the, f what is that? <laughs> How about oh. when they climb out the hatch and did you notice it bending? Yes. The <laughs> thing was like foam rubber. You could see it bending and wobbling. <laughs> when she climbs up, she's like all spooning with the guy. They can't <laughs> they come can't out move. and climb up and look straight at the monster. They have to come out with their back to it so that he can turn his head what? and then she can come up and spoon with him and turn her head so that they can look over their shoulder they're, and see yeah. the monster. They're in full Titanic pose. What, it like <laughs> I wrote a note. It was like, we all stop snuggling and do something about the monster. <laughs> Did you see? Now, remember, ladies and gentlemen, they have only met each other for like 15 minutes and already talked about gastrointestinal problems with cheese. They climb up out of this bendy foam hatch and she like puts her hand on his. Like, as in that they know each other or she wants the D. 
but it, <laughs> and they're looking over their shoulder and just completely out of place. So the monster is up. They're stranded on there. They're calling in airstrikes. The monster swatted the water. We got a tsunami coming that Dr. Ford, huge yak man, has called to warn about the tsunami that they don't believe. He's like, there's something big coming. Uh, what's that big? Something big. Oh, God. So then he has to contact the Navy. Now, before, <laughs> I'm so glad <laughs> that he was wearing a patch that said maybe <laughs> so that I knew. <laughs> you know. but, I was really confused. Where are they supposed to be? Because Billy Ford goes in and out of an Australian accent. <laughs> like I said, huge yak man. Yeah. Then there's New the Zealand. British submarine. Yeah. Or was it French? No, they no. were British. Oh, they were? I could, Some of their accents yeah. were throwing. Yeah, they were British because he talks to the prime minister. Yeah. <laughs> and, and he mentions parliament, and then, too. Yeah. Oh, he yeah. does? He does yeah. say parliament just to hammer home the fact that they all British. <laughs> though, none of them speak, though none of them speak in a British accent. The one Eric, guy does. The one Rob, guy does. Eric Roberts um, isn't even trying. Yeah. Well, Eric Roberts isn't British, though. He's American Coast Guard, but... His uniform is a navy, and he's on a British ship. So. He's in dress whites. Yeah, so, on well, a destroyer. I think it was supposed to be that they were a multinational. Lay it out for me, Paul. Who is what? Eric Roberts? Why is he in this film, and what the hell is he doing here? Because I know he's asking himself that same question. Yeah, he but got he's, thirty bucks. Yeah, well, yeah, and he's bringing he's bringing a little bit of extra extra star power. You know, there are You're some right. good and and. Honestly, his his performance was okay. Yeah, it was okay. But if you know his his stuff, it's like, yeah, I'm I'm glad he's still working because you want him to. Because remember, back in the day, he was he was like in like fifty movies a year. So to see him in one movie, it's like made me made me all excited. I I am salivating, but in in a in a different reason. Um, <laughs> wow, that sounded really bad. And wow, <laughs> no, hey, I know what you mean. Yeah, no, it's like as a kid, he was he was part of best of the best. Now, yeah, in my circle, best of the best wasn't quite as best as like kickboxer or American Ninja, but I mean, best of the best that was one of those man. I mean, that was just one of those cool fighting movies. See people punching and beating shit out of each other, but this was a group of them. So you know, unlike where you get kickboxer or blood sport, which is just one guy. So, I mean, Van Damme is an army, but at best of the best, you've got a whole team of them. And Eric Roberts, with his power mullet, yeah. was the best of the best. So, I mean, I understand you completely, but to see but him what, in this movie, yeah, I mean... But what surprised me was that he took on the role that I thought that uh, Sarah and Ford were going to do. I thought they were going to be the, com- you know, the, the people confronting. And I, I should have realized, oh, wait, head of the military and the... And the protagonist, that's got to be the bad the, the competition. <laughs> yeah. I didn't think about that until the, the scene. And ah, it just, I wish it wasn't that way. I, I want to see a movie where everybody is like, it'll be a boring movie as hell. Is, um, was he in an office or was he in a submarine or was he in a boat? Because I think he was in the ship. I think he was, he was meant to be on a ship. Was yeah, he he's on a destroyer. Because when you to first be. see Eric Roberts, he's sitting at a desk with a wooden door frame. They walk <laughs> through a wooden door jam to go and grab the phone off the wall, which is coincidentally has circuit boxes and stuff that you would see on a ship. But there's a wooden door jam 
So I mean, and like I say that in all seriousness, I'm joking because yes, stupid, but <laughs> in all seriousness, I couldn't tell because we get what's the term establishing shots. We get three different establishing shots for his character, General Horn, by the way. So there's your tie in, Justin, to get him on the horn. Uh-huh. <laughs> we're we're given three establishing shots one we're given that battleship right before the big giant starfish paddles it and then we're given another one was just like a naval base or something or we just see dudes jogging in the background and then we cut to general horn so it's like oh well he was in an office building but then the third time we see it later on in the film he's like they show us another a group of battleships like a navy fleet an armada if you will, to tie it in with the previous film. So I was just curious as to like where he was actually supposed to be. I did make a note right here. You could see how quickly we're, <laughs> we're getting through this film. <laughs> Eric Roberts wanted so bad. It felt like this, the dialogue, it wasn't him. Eric yeah. Roberts was playing a yeah. character. Whoever yeah. wrote the dialogue wanted James Tolkien so bad. <laughs> <laughs> they wanted him because there's a part when he's on like when he's on the phone first talking to Ford. It's like Ford, I don't want to hear it. You're gonna do this. It's like General, we have to. It's like I don't care. You're gonna do it. This better work because if it doesn't work, and I just he kept doing these lines like you're gonna be sucking dog shit out of garden hose out the back of a Dollar General if you don't do whatever I say. <laughs> and it just, what you should have done was land your plane. You don't own that plane. The taxpayers do. Son, your ego is writing checks your body can't cash. You've been busted. You lost your qualifications as section leader three times. Put in hack twice by me. With a history of high-speed passes over five air-controlled towers and one admiral's daughter. Fanny Benjamin. And you, asshole. You're lucky to be here. Thank you, sir. And let's not bullshit, Maverick. Your family name ain't the best in the Navy. You need to be doing it better and cleaner than the other guy. Now, what is it with you? Just want to serve my country. Be the best fighter pilot in Navy, sir. Don't screw around with me, Maverick. You're a hell of an instinctive pilot. Maybe too good. I'd like to bust your butt, but I can't. I got another problem here. I got to send somebody from this squadron to Miramar. I got to do something here. I, I, I still can't believe it. I got to give you your dream shot. I'm going to send you up against the best. You two characters are going to Top Gun. For five weeks, you're going to fly against the best fighter pilots in the world. You were number two, Cougar was number one. Cougar lost it, turned in his wings. You guys are number one. But you remember one thing. You screw up just this much, you'll be flying a cargo plane full of rubber dog shit out of Hong Kong. Yes, sir. They wanted, I could see that coming from James Tolkien and Top Gun. But it just, with Eric Roberts, with his dialogue, it didn't sound right. He was acting. You can tell he's a consummate actor. He's used to acting. I made another note because you don't really see uh, Tashi Toda that you see him, but he doesn't really do much. But eventually it turns into basically like Cluzo and Cato talking <laughs> on a phone yeah. for the rest of the film. And that, Basically, you have established, which I wanted to give Paul that little highlight for Eric Roberts, because what Paul just described, I hope you like Eric Roberts, because that's all you're going to get. Like that. Welcome to Monster Island, (laughs) where the real monsters are the ones watching this, (laughs) because that's all you get. Now, other than the monsters, I did make a note of this, too. 
when they're under underwater trying to get to find the rover and they see the much it's like oh what is that the again the musical scores build this sequence up beautifully and even and it was kind of i chuckle about it watching it it's like oh <laughs> it's a silent flick that's cool yeah dog shark was totally fake you know one of those things but the way they built that scene up was executed perfectly i mean had they had 500 gazillion dollars and a couple of top a-list actors like idriel bud other people like uh freaking mark Wahlberg, have them in a submarine and then reveal the monster cue the sting and the big brand and then the starfish comes up that would have been cool but i do have to give credit for the little sequence of that so we're on the sub they start carpet bombing the monster we find out <laughs> oh my god it's got magma for blood. Justin, how do they get out of this? Because they have been stuck on this damn thing way too long. Somehow they eject water out of their sub and blast themselves off to the off of the monster and into the water. Mario Sunshine style. They blast the jets to hurry up and get off. I was wondering because he was like concocting a plan when they carpet bomb the starfish. And he's like, wait a minute. I got an idea. It's got magma for blood. So what we're going to do is eject the tanks. And we'll position it just right and get it. And you're sitting there thinking what he's going to like he's going to cool off the magma so that it builds up a pedestal so that it'll like gently careen over and maybe nudge the sun. No, he just turn on the jet. Basically so it'll push making it into a slip and slide. He could have done that before the magma issue. Like, they <laughs> so we could have done this well, an hour ago. The urgent, the urgency with the wasn't magma, there. Though, yeah. <laughs> with the, the heat coming off of the creature though, this actually wouldn't have worked. All the water would have just instantly evaporated. But this is the asylum, and we don't apply too much logic. Speaking of creature, which has just been sitting there, once again, kind of like Atlantic Rim, minding its own business. Wasn't even bothering, bothering anybody. anybody. Yeah, it's not bothering <laughs> anybody. They just roll up on him, and he's like, get the hell out of here. It's just a big starfish sitting around <laughs> minding my own business. I've been here for 20,000 years. <laughs> so, <laughs> the big starfish, after the submarine goes off there, and sometime during this, the big starfish slaps water to send the tsunami that the French boat captain, like, he guns it and actually manages to maneuver over the big tsunami, which is kind of cool, actually. And then he says, uh, it can't happen again, blah, 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 whatever. And then the <laughs> sub comes up, and now we've got a big starfish. And what happens next? They have uh, they get out of there because they have to go find the kaiju expert. We've mentioned kaiju. How many times in a movie have you heard the term kaiju? They really wanted to stress that <laughs> this movie has kaiju in it. Did they not? <laughs> Angelique, where are we going from here? We've got a starfish. We've got a drone that they're finally up and they've escaped. No cheese, Cheeto incidents or anything. What happens next? <laughs> Well, the creature is heading to shore, so General Horn wants to make sure that they blow it out of the water. So, uh, the group splits up, like Billy concocts a plan, and they realize that the only way to really destroy the thing is to put bombs down its throat. <laughs> blow it up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and it'll cause some kind of chemical reaction uh, <laughs> yeah, in the a magma, big boom, right? I'm like, the only thing that's going to happen is it's going to go, you know, bam. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a chemical reaction, all right. <laughs> right. So they get 
Riley to go into his third character, which is combat mode. And <laughs> he makes a massive bomb on his drone and they send the drone out. In the meantime, General Horn is threatening to court martial people that aren't even in the military. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So he sends like the SWAT team to get Billy and them. And at the last second, because all their efforts have been for naught, every you know missile and torpedo and everything they've been firing at the starfish just doesn't work. But uh, Riley manages to maneuver the bomb up there like Skywalker on the Death Star, and uh, yeah. you get the best line ever from Toshi: "Is swimming in the underbelly." <laughs> <laughs> See, thank you. That's. <laughs> The poor guy is like, I kind of wish they had just given him some dialogue to work better with him. That's all. Yeah. <laughs> At least he didn't yep. have to say Caldera. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and the, the, they're out of the Caldera now. Yeah. <laughs> Caldera's I mean, long gone. We're out of it. Starfish is blowed up. Eggs have jettisoned. And yeah. they've been arrested by like, during this sequence, I thought it was funny. General Horn was like, I want you to go and stop them. Eliminate with extreme prejudice, use extreme force or whatever. It's like, yep. my God, they're using a Tyco RC car. First <laughs> of all, which is completely unreliable or unreal because you know how much those drones cost and what's the first thing we're going to do? Dunk it in the ocean. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but regardless, monsters blow it up. But guess what, Mark? Eggs. Oh, yeah. Eggs. Everywhere. Actually, this, surpri- this part surprised me. Because I was like, okay, really? I was looking at, well, a little bit because I was looking at the time going, okay, we got like 40 minutes left in this film. Yeah, and the they, where's dead? my they, other monster? They right. actually destroyed one monster so far and we still aren't on a fucking island. <laughs> so <laughs> we've gotten one monster and no island, but we apparently, they delivered the payload. I'm like, Okay. Oh, you're getting a payload, all right. Yeah, but then it flips over and launches the eggs. I'm like, oh, okay, we got eggs. All right. You know, at first I thought it was just spitting out like you know, uh, explosive things or something. I'm like, oh, it's me gonna too. Blow. But I they just like cut spikes. A- yeah, they just cut away, and then uh, they run across eggs, and <laughs> it turns out it spit out all these eggs. You're like, well, okay, that's a little different. And then these eggs immediately start <laughs> hatching out. Immediately. Yeah. And uh, speaking of character uh, changes, Riley's not the only one. The news reporter who was giving shit to our billionaire not half an hour ago in the film, she's <laughs> on the shore starting to talk about how awful of an environmental impact the carcass of the monster is going to be. And then the monster wakes up and the oh, military cop there. chopper show, And then she suddenly turns into serious reporter. And I'm now like, now she's concerned. <laughs> how she's suddenly concerned. I'm like, oh my God. Uh, <laughs> So she turns out a dime, and yeah, the eggs are flying everywhere. Apparently, uh, the monster was killed very close to where our uh, billionaire headquarters was because they didn't, <laughs> drive, they didn't drive that far before they ran across their own egg. 
Um, yeah, in that military Humvee that looked like an RV on the inside. Did you notice yeah. like the windows had slats and everything? It was like a shagging wagon. So, so you've got these eggs hatching, and apparently uh, these creatures are are babies. And they can fly. And they look nothing like the mother. They look nothing like the starfish creature. They're completely different, but somehow they're <laughs> offspring that are going to the uh, was it the volcano complex? Eventually, uh, I believe it's. Uh, but they they drop that. They go from using caldera so many times to volcano complex. Uh, what is it? <laughs> no, Cal- that's, a, volcano that's a, or whatever. I've, yeah, I'm super, super volcano. Super volcano, right. But no, but they keep calling it a, a, yeah. a, a complex, not just the super volcano. They keep, they, you know, they're using the, the one term with it. So the creatures are flying off to there. We get our egg. And in all honesty, if you're going to be a soldier and a beast who spits fire hatches and starts spitting fire at you, wouldn't you run rather than run. stand there? And still try to shoot the damn thing. Run. <laughs> it's not like the fire shot straight at the guard. It went next to him and then swooped over. And I'm like, dude, move. Yeah, He's forged. <laughs> and suddenly the soldier, female soldier who was arresting our heroes, uh, in quotes, uh, she rescues <laughs> them. And they go off to this tunnel part. While they're being chased by this creature, she does a dumb thing to where she's hiding from the creature and she decides to stand out in front in the open and shoot at it, knowing it can spit magma. So she's gone. And then there's the elimination of a main character so quick. I've only seen it in one other thing, and that was the Sarah Connor Chronicles, uh, Terminator, the Sarah Connor Chronicles. They had a major character who literally gets killed like in a split second that you... They never even really promoted or anything. It just happens. <laughs> that happens here. Our man, Riley, Toast. ends up falling just a little bit behind, and he is like, poof. One thing you got to admit, they recognize magma can instantly incinerate people because that's what happens to Riley. It was like Steven Seagal, an executive decision. Ten minutes <laughs> in, bam, done. Yeah. And his coworkers and friends... Take Aren't about, that concerned? <laughs> take about 10 seconds to be concerned about Riley, their co-worker. <laughs> yeah. After these messages, we'll be right back. Welcome to the Sanctuary of the Strange. At MonstersMadnessAndMagic.com, you shall find interviews, reviews, occult history, and retrospectives on relics of macabre media. Films, fiction, comics, music, monsters and madmen. All are explored at MonstersMadnessAndMagic.com podcast available on the website and all major podcasting platforms Paul what we now have is I mentioned this for the previous film and 
I just call it the asylum formula. Whenever mm-hmm. now we have a whole bunch of control C, control V, smaller creatures yes. that they just throw on the landscape. This is a common occurrence. And I know because it's easy to make and whatnot. And these creatures are like in idle animation. But what are your thoughts on them having to now? We, we have now done a lateral pass if you will because we're in a we're in a whole different movie from this point we have gone from giant starfish is dead to now a bunch of little creatures kind of like the godzilla 98 flick where it turned from kaiju to jurassic park we're kind of in a whole nother movie so as you guide us through what they have to do i mean like what are your thoughts on this well, by by this point, it was like, oh, okay, uh, they're finally going to bring us the battle that they promised. Maybe these things, <laughs> these eggs, because they hatch so quickly, maybe the monsters will grow very, you know, at an ex- accelerated rate, and we're going to have lots and lots of monsters to fight the the that predator-looking, you know, Kratos with a with a BMX helmet type of <laughs> guy on, on the. No, we don't even get that. We don't even get that. <laughs> You'd like to think that, wouldn't you? I would have loved to have thought that. I, I was really hoping for that. Uh, but then I, I realized, yeah, this is, this is the formula. Had I not watched the other films in this Mockbuster Summer special, Kaiju, I probably would not have expected that. <laughs> but I, I did I did wholeheartedly, okay, oh, yeah, they're, they're, oh, eggs, yeah, okay. A lot of mini-creatures. Uh, maybe they're going to incorporate the the mini creatures into doing something. Oh yeah, I guess we we find out from the kaiju expert that yeah we could probably use their blood to activate the legend of the walking mountain. Okay, Da-da-da, our Godzilla character, our folklorist here, Justin. Because <laughs> Paul just I in his description just succinctly took us through that whole sequence of event, if you are familiar with the silent films at this point, you probably unfortunately are, but we got the control C control V little creatures. You, I could list off a dozen flicks that this does this every time. It's really cool. And there's usually something gimmick with their blood, either poison, in this case is lava and they fly and their faces are sideways. But now we have a Kaiju expert that Paul mentions. This is our final character that we get introduced. And she, is what the hell is she? Is she like the Indian dude in Ernest Goes to Camp who just sits there and sings yes. and knows like all this ancient lore and shit? Only he's existing in modern day, or is he? I'm, I know that she's supposed to be like the Japanese dude, but walk us through this whole part because even now, I understand she's the kaiju expert, but why do we even have the kaiju in the first place? That's a good question. I want to try to answer it, but there's a uh... There's she is the scorned monster historian that the I can't remember her name, but right. the the lady, uh, the government lady, she's she spent her whole career basically shitting on this lady's career. And now <laughs> in her biggest time of need, she's like, oh, uh, by the way, the, uh, we need a little <laughs> advice here. Can this is going to be me whenever I apply at the asylum. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, uh, that's great! But yeah, she's she she apparently has all the information on these these uh these creatures that no one's seen for twenty thousand years. She just has a, a Wikipedia at her fingertips. Oh, I, I know what that book. is. She knows their names. She knows their weaknesses, and it all doesn't how know to, how to pronounce it. 
<laughs> and all these, she just basically has a, a monster compendium, and she tells him exactly what to do. And she but rounds she her does up. it. She yeah. says, "The lore." Fire from the mountain will stream down and spew on the blood of the mighty. What? The lore is clear. When is the lore <laughs> no, ever clear? No, the it's not, never woman. <laughs> There's <laughs> giant monsters. Help! <laughs> so, yeah, what they have to go to stop the mountain that has emerged. Why are we on an island now? Why do... Why are they going to the island? The monster is supposedly the island. That's what I got from it. Like the the monster is supposed to be the island. They got to wake up the island to kill the big bad monster. That's what okay, I thought. Okay, so, so they. But I thought. See, the starfish was supposed to be dead anyway. Or I guess. Oh, they thought it's they not killed. dead. It's just it's just waiting to grow wings. <laughs> it's just upside down, decapitated and crippled, maimed from the carpet bombing. But the starfish was a cocoon. Okay, so the monster <laughs> yeah. wakes up. There, we got yeah, so that monster wakes up. Uh, now that the uh, the good guy is back, the bad guy stops playing possum. He's like, "All right, let's throw down." And now it's, it's time for the monster fight that everybody's been waiting on for this whole movie. All right, uh. this is the moment you wanted, Angelique. Just like Russo last time, this is something. This is the moment. And anybody who should describe this is you. Here they are, the monster fight that we're leading up to it, but not yet. We got a couple of things we have to do first. We've got the little beaky monsters with the really cool music score and the characters, you know, they crash in the helicopter, which is actually kind of a cool freaking crash, might yeah. I add, in the ocean. They emerge up. We're finally on an island. Mm-hmm. At least they, I guess we are. They never really said it, but we were on an island. We assume as much from the water. And then we got the beaky monsters that are coming down after them. And so we're cool with that. And now we got a giant mountain and the little monster. I mean... Come on now, Angelique. What's going on? What's next? Are we going to get well, this? They've got to summon. They've got to summon Godzilla. I mean, the Living Mountain. That's it. So they have to find something to transport the blood of the <laughs> small creatures into the eye of the volcano to wake the things. So somehow they have found perfectly formed spears of obsidian. volcanic <laughs> glass obsidian that are the perfect length and they're sharpened and <laughs> they've been tumbled and are nice and sparkly along with all the twine <laughs> and skill that's needed to create a spear. I don't know how many of y'all have ever made a spear. It's not that easy. And not to mention, toss that some bitch. Right. And then, of course, we've got Olympic-level javelin happening. Um, <laughs> oh, no, wait. I'm getting ahead of myself. Oh, you're getting, I'm you're getting, a, I'm getting you're way getting ahead, ahead of it. myself. Yeah. I'm we mad. Still the little, so we, still, we still got the We still got to wake it up. We still got to wake up the yeah. mountain. So yeah. um, the intrepid crew taunts one of oh they were trying to carry an egg i'm sorry we had a big romantic moment with one of the eggs and the kaiju expert like she was like dr malcolm on jurassic park like Uh tears in her eyes fondling the egg and they think it's my might be a dud because they can't hear anything through the shell but i'm sorry that shell's probably three feet thick you're not gonna hear anything through the shell (laughs) yeah you're right you know, but so they're carrying the egg. They think what they're going to do is warm up the egg over a volcanic vent on Monster <laughs> Island, then dunk it in the water 
Don't cool it off and cause rapid temperature shift to crack the egg so that some of the albumin, which is technically blood, will come out and go into the eye of the volcano. Why don't we just drop the egg into the GD volcano? I was screaming at watching. It was like, hey, Mr. Wizard, why don't you just drop it in the volcano? Just... Boom, smack it. It'll break and there will be blood and the living mountain shall rise. But no, they had to do something convoluted. Well, they waited too long and did something stupid. The helicopter gets attacked. The egg drops. The and creature comes out of the egg. And surprise! <laughs> so it's hurt and they make it chase them and make it give the whole lava vomit thing, which technically is the blood of the monster. So it, like, you know, Rube Goldberg's down into the eye of the volcano and it wakes up the living mountain, which should have been exciting and fantastic, but it weren't. So now the big starfish, Uh, this is your moment, Angelique. It grows wings. It's not dead. Dun, dun, dun. How about the wings? wings. (laughs) I, I sent you a text message when I when I made it to this point in the movie because I was about to throw my notebook across the room. <laughs> the wings. And so out of the center of the starfish, gigantor wings spring out. No body, no head. No scale. They're muscle bound wings. Look like Arnold yeah. Schwarzenegger wings. It's like the it's like the creature from that scene, you know, from Fantasia on Bald Mountain or whatever it's yeah. called. You know, leathery, strong kaiju wings. And I'm like, oh shit, are we gonna get a Kira? But no, we get a carcass on wings. Flying yeah. starfish. It's got no. It's got like a plug out of the center of it. And apparently it's bigger on the inside. It's bigger on the inside. Because the arm, I mean, uh, them arms is apparently, big. Apparently, it's its the TARDIS of the sea creatures. I'm going to reach out with my 24 inch pythons, brother, and I'm going to take this starfish, and we're going to go take down the living mountain. Right. So it's just an eyeless, faceless, winged, dead, volcanic starfish that is just going. Whew. And now all the other little bitty ones are on their way to Monster Island as well because their brother has gotten hurt and like bees, they put out the danger pheromone and it summons them all. So Mark. Yeah. Starfish. <laughs> Mega monster starfish. Angelique at this point is sending me text messages. Lots of, lots of W's and F's. And uh, it's the moment she's waited for, and this is the big fight. Starfish clamps around the back of the big mountain thing that you can't really tell is a mountain thing, but it looks like a boss fight from a PlayStation game. And the little monsters walk us through, Mark. What are, well, we, what are we doing at this point? Well, for, first, when it grew wings and took flight, we cut back in big uh, not-Godzilla because in this one, it's got a short head and short tail and long arms, whereas Godzilla has a long <laughs> tail and a longer head and short arms. So this is completely not supposed to be Godzilla. Anyway, <laughs> he sends out some weird shock wave that kills all the little guys. He does it, boom. Just done. Like one fail, boom, done. 
And you're like, okay. So then our (laughs) heroes are like, yay! And then they see flying starfish. Starfish! (laughs) I can hear the sound in my head. He's like the ultimate warrior coming down the, you know, after Hogan defeated... Cue the music! (laughs) After Hogan defeated Randy Macho Man because uh, Hogan looked at Elizabeth wrong, Ultimate Warrior comes running down and just grapples it, but it would be like if Ultimate Warrior gave a hug to to Hogan and Hogan fell over and they just lied there. It's just lying there. <laughs> Not doing anything. Just just lying there spooning. Yeah. It just for like a just minute. Plump. Yeah. <laughs> so, so Kaiju Expert says, oh, maybe the lore got it wrong. And then the, the, the millionaire who you have no idea who you even give a rat's ass about goes, well, no, maybe the lore got it right. And Sharice's like, yeah. And she's like, oh, it guess it could be, mean actual blood in the actual eye of I the actual monster. <laughs> I guess it could be interpreted <laughs> like that. <laughs> so they concoct this plan that would make the A-team go, wow, <laughs> because they managed to get a spear. They managed to get make a bow and arrow like within 20 seconds they dip the the the, the staff the into the magma of the body carcass of the of the the fallen creature that was chasing him before mm-hmm. and then all three of them help hold the mega bow and manage to shoot the spear which physics is gone At this point, this this is like video game physics, folks. This thing fly. They're like, if you look at the size of the creatures and where they're at, they're like half a mile away. If not more. If not more. And they managed to arc this thing (laughs) and hit the magma tipped obsidian staff into the head of the monster. (laughs) The eye. The eye. And now you're like, okay. He's going to wake up. It's going to be like King of the Monsters where you got mega boosted Godzilla melting buildings and shit. They're going to fight. Yes. Here we go. No. Poof. And we get a stoned egg. And that's it. Remember in Atlantic Rim Resurrection when I said it was the quickest boss battle ever? Yep. This film said, hold my beer. Yes, <laughs> hold up. <laughs> this, this film said, hold my beer because this was even quicker. They stab him with magma-tipped spear. Done. He, he starts to glow. <laughs> Poof. Stone egg. Done. Music. Cue. Everybody's like, yay. And I'm like, what? Paul, wrap it for us. Because I'm, I'm serious, ladies and gentlemen, who are tagging. It is just like this. is like Puppet Master 4. <laughs> done. Over. Puppet Master Legacy. <laughs> yeah. Out of here. Stick a fork in it. Pick and turn us with a stepladder. It's done, son. Paul. There's a little bit of stuff that goes on. What is this final thing? I mean, what's going on here? It looks like this big stone uh, pineapple thing. (laughs) 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 It's just sitting there, and then there, there basically says, and then we have a lot of work to do, and and then it goes to this lovely like credit scene with with wonderful backdrop. It's just right, amazing. No (laughs) context, no build up, no nothing. This has got a lot of work. The work to do what? And then it's like, come on, from this day forward, I will start saving the planet. Okay, golly gee. 
He's like, how about it, professor? You have a few more students? And she's like, if you would give up your minds. And he's like, all right, I will just go ahead and cripple 50% of my income. And she's like, and your manufacturing. And he's like, ah, wait a minute, Missy. We need some money. We need some money. I ain't going to do that. So there you go, ladies and gentlemen, the idiocy of that whole sequence. So yeah, (laughs) it's over. It's done. (laughs) Giant egg that they had to protect. Like, if he's so godlike, could it not protect itself? But again, like, it's it. It's over. Movie's done. Why? Like, why do they? Why do they have to protect it? The thing lived for dormant for twenty thousand years, minding it, its own damn business. Its own damn business. <laughs> in in fact, if anything, you made it worse because now you made it a glaring, obvious target, as Paul put it, a stone pineapple. Whereas before, he was kind of buried in under a mountain. Yeah. Under a mountain, <laughs> and who's going to attack it? No one cares. <laughs> Mark, no. wrap this thing up. Give me some final thoughts on this flick, man. Box <sighs> art, the payoff. Okay. Um, it, the film, the box art, as messy as it was, was promising you a monster fight, and you you get even less a of it. A monster fart. <laughs> you get a monster <laughs> fart, literally. <laughs> I think the actual fighting of monsters lasts maybe a minute, okay? And that's not an understatement. It's a literal truth. It was like, you call it Monster Island. You don't get to the island for nearly an hour. When you get to the island, okay, heavyweight fight. There's no heavyweight fight. There's a hug and a poof. I mean, it's like it, it, it's like your first time you have sex. Okay, so that's what Bedtime. it's there. Boom, done. Okay, you're done before you even started. And, In bed at nine, home by eleven. <laughs> yeah, so you know, and that's what hurt because there was a lot of potential in here, but. My son watched this film with me, and he oh, was guy. he was literally going to his phone half the time. I'm like, "You're missing key plot points," and he just would look at me out of the corner of his eyes, and he just shake, shake his head. And I'm like, "You missed that action sequence." He's like, "No, I looked up to see that." Okay, um, but he he summarized it quite well in that one thing that at least the other films did. You've heard us talk about characters. We reminded of characters. As awful as the story or whatever is, there's characters that, if not care about, you're at least interested in. In this film, you have no idea how to feel about anyone. Anyone. You're never with them long enough. As my son put it, I don't care about anybody. I'm like, oh, look, that one dude got ate by magma. He's like, yeah. <laughs> so, so what he's like this, <laughs> he's like the film and i have to agree with him you give no shits about the people and you're like well it's a monster film that'd be great give me a monster film this how is about a monster <laughs> about a few monsters in it because you don't get a monster with character which you need in a monster film let's face it, it i'm angelique will definitely i'm sure attest to but you all will Character, your, your monsters have to have some kind of personality, which you usually do through design or whatever. 
None of the monsters have any personality because you're never with them long enough. You're never with the human characters long enough. So in the end, you get this popcorn fart of a film where nothing, you care about nothing. Louie doesn't care about anything. He's a nihilist. Oh, that must be exhausting. You're like, <laughs> truly Lovecraftian. <laughs> you know, it's not even nihilistic. It's like, I want to go back to the the French captain. He had stories. <laughs> right. That, that was a character. I mean, down to his, you know, his Jacques Cousteau hat. Um, yeah. So my final thought is it does not deliver what the artwork promises, nor does it even deliver what the tagline promises. The only thing on the box art that it does deliver are the two people's names at the top do get screen time, but not more than five minutes total. Um, as asylum pictures go, this feels weak. It does feel like a control C control V from the last film, Atlantic rim resurrection. I would love to do a time comparison to see if key people die at the same time in this film as they did in the previous film. But the previous film at least had a few more interesting elements. This film feels like it was rushed. Like they really didn't have a full idea where they were going but they knew they had to make something because Godzilla King of the Monsters was coming right. out. Mm -hmm. And so they wanted to do something. So they did something. But for an asylum picture, it is quite empty and does not deliver on pretty much anything that uh, you know, it promises. Which is sad because there is a lot of promise in the concepts that they have in here. They never do anything with any of it. Yeah, truly sad. All right, Paul. Yes, sir. Now, what's your final thoughts? Sorry, I wanted to. Mark said he had to duck out. Oh so no, no, no I'm just problem at all. Splice that one probably towards the end, or I might not. I don't care. Fast and loose is how I like it. Final thoughts on this uh, Monster Island flick here. I mean, you know, the usual rigmarole. The box art did it deliver. You know, was it at least enjoyable? You know the deal. Give me some final thoughts on this thing. Uh, right off the bat, the box art did not deliver uh, <laughs> the the promise wasn't even that big of a promise i mean it was so achievable and they they failed to do that but i was not surprised because their supposed kaiju expert said that uh the tengu uh roughly translates to the destroyer and that is not true tengu <laughs> translates to like heavenly dog like it's a dog demon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so to, I call yeah. it two margaritas and a couple of loose morals. <laughs> there you Tango, go. Tango, my bad. Tango, a little bit dance. different. Yes. Um, this, this movie did something different. Uh, well, they did a few things different. Like really? they, yeah. Like for example, I expected the two, uh, adversaries, um, at the beginning, Right. And they, it didn't happen. They actually became quite close. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're right. Uh, so I was not expecting that. Uh, so that threw me off. Another big thing was that this was probably one of the few kaiju films where they actually, instead of having a single cockpit scene <laughs> where they filmed everybody separately, they had everybody together, together. in two different cockpits. <laughs> <laughs> one was a remote cockpit, but still... But nice thing for that is they were able to just take a regular room. They didn't even have to doll it up or put any <laughs> fancy equipment in it. Oh, no, they, they might as well be playing Nintendo because, yes. you know, it's, 
It's a remote <laughs> control. So I thought that was clever. So th- those two things were unexpected. Uh, the things that uh, I think, so they say that this is a mockbuster of Godzilla, um, uh, King of Monsters. They never said that. It just well, coincidentally, conveniently. Yeah, well, uh, they don't say it, but that's what a lot of the um, it conveniently people, released yeah. at the same time. Exactly. Um, I actually want to say that it's more of uh, Kong Island because like, some of the characters translate more to those characters. Like you had um, uh, Charisse, Charisse mm-hmm. uh, being more like the Brie Larson character in that film. I thought her attitude and her, her uh, direction uh, was very similar to that film. So anybody, and I think maybe that's one of the reasons why people were expecting this to be a big slug out fest between Kaiju because they're expecting it to be King of Monsters, where it was more like Kong Island, where you get the the main Kong type kaiju fighting a multi armed sea creature, mm. <laughs> being the starfish dude, and <laughs> very quite possibly, yeah, you're right. Um, so I think I, I think if I would have gone in thinking that more, I probably would have appreciated this uh, film a lot more. I also didn't like the fact that this film really made me see the actors in isolation. It felt like they were all in like little compartments. I understand that's the way movies are filmed, but I think they could have done a, yeah, they could have done a better job. (laughs) Right. Were you at least entertained? I was entertained. Yes. But this movie did not give me what I like to do. uh, At least with, with, um, with asylum films, I usually like to find some kind of a deeper meaning, and the only <laughs> I'm sorry. The, the only deep meaning that I could have was that they were playing on the whole aspect of of um, myths, and so myths and and taking things literally. They they brought that up a few times throughout the the episode, but it wasn't enough to make me think that that was the main theme. And at the very end, that one line where where essentially oh. Maybe they meant it literally where we shoot lava into the eye of the walking mountain. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I think that if they would have taken that idea and expanded on it, I would have loved this film a lot, lot more. I was wondering about like the lore building. Yeah, you got it right. It's deep meaning, all right, like three miles underwater because that's it. <laughs> and as far as like the myth, it's a wonder they didn't myth with that arrow whenever he tried to shoot the thing in the eye. But I mean, at least... It had no, yeah. it had no, it had no like feathers or, you know, to stabilize it because that, that thing should have just went end over end. <laughs> you think you'll ever watch this again? Uh, no, but to be I, honest, no. Ow, damn. Yeah. Justin, final thoughts on this thing. Well, the box art is blasphemous. <laughs> uh, <laughs> ow. Uh, I will say all out front, I was entertained. I think they put enough, uh, they sprinkled enough in here and there. If you were kind of snoozing a little, you know, here's some Eric Roberts or, you know, here's, here's a little something for you. And you're like, okay, let me just tune back in for a second. But yeah, I probably, I probably won't watch this one again, but, uh, Mm. it, uh, it was, there was no monsters, no island, and I can't I can't tell you most of the characters' names. Mm. I have notes here, but I, I really don't don't have. Yeah, I'm probably not watching it again. Well, you just, <laughs> I mean you've explained enough. You don't even remember care even from the previous movie from Atlantic Rim Reservoir. I remember Russo. 
I mean, we got was, Russo, we got Red, we got uh, you know, bo- uh, uh, Bull Butter. There the you go. Animal. You don't have to do much in a movie to make yourself memorable. But you're right. In this movie, other than the fact I watched it three times, is what how I remember one or two people. But other than that, I don't remember anything. I mean, I'm like you, but yeah. so you're not gonna watch it again. And the box art was blasphemy. Yeah, I, the damn. Riley is probably the only one I remember because that guy was really going hard for it, you know. Like yeah. I appreciate that, but that's that's about the only person I remember. And yeah, the box art was rough because there was absolutely no monster fight whatsoever. So, Mark, go ahead and give me your final thoughts on this whole shebang. <laughs> it's all culminated into this: four weeks, four films, five of us forced <laughs> to watch. <laughs> What's your thoughts on the flicks we watched this summer? The Asylum in general. Go ahead and lay it out for us. Honestly, this is my average viewing. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> So it's not too much of a stretch as far as that goes. But one thing you have to, uh, because I enjoy the Mega Shark films, some of them, they're up and down. But that's Asylum. It's up and down. They're hit or miss. And this four batch of films are, are classic exi- uh, Asylum on the bell curve of films you get from them. You, you get the low-end ones, which are Atlantic Rim. You know, they're on the lower end of the curve. But you get Atlantic Rim Resurrection, which actually has some redeeming qualities. Hornet wasn't, eh. You know, it, it was better than, you know. on the inside. Right. And then you have Monster Island, which is on the very low end. But you can see the pattern. And they are cranking out material, and you can tell their their go their whole concept has always been they will mass produce things, and if some of them hit are great, but they're gonna just keep making it, regardless of if it's good or bad, they're gonna just keep doing what they're doing, and you've got to I at least admire that for the studio. I may not like all their films, but some of them I find highly entertaining. There is full moon spirit here. There is yes. a, there is a lot of that that type of spirit. They're not like the same. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying they're the same as Troma or or Full Moon, but there's a lot of that spirit in these films. And just like those films, some are going to be ones people watch over and over again, and the other ones you're going to like. That was a movie that happened. <laughs> I'm going to go mow my lawn now. Uh, you know. So for me, it was a mixed bag. I, I'm glad we did this. Uh, this type of film it seems to be kind of the basic asylum trope because they produce stuff for sci-fi a lot. And in the end, if if you don't go into these films expecting them all to be the same quality or, oh, hey, I enjoyed that one, so I will enjoy this one, take them each as their own, even when they are quote-unquote sequels, which they did make a sequel. There was Transmorphers and Transmorphers 2. So that's another one. Um, As long as you take them by themselves, I think there's enjoyment to be had here for some of them. It's just hard to tell until you obviously watch the film. Just don't always buy the cover art. uh, Because because 50% of the time, it's not going to deliver. And when you grow up, you'll end up being like me. Having a podcast <laughs> devoted to box art. So I guess that's my final thought is it's Asylum. I'm glad we did it. Um, I will say I enjoyed more of the films out of this collection probably than out of our first 
collection yeah. of films. Yeah. I agree. Uh, which isn't a high bar. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> but at the same time, there were more, at least small bits out of every one of these films I was able to find more enjoyable than William Cat looking for a paycheck. So, Very true. Did I deliver? The presentation, yes. the trailers, <laughs> building everything up for Kaiju was my box art. Did I deliver the promise? You absolutely delivered the promise. It Boom. is. You'll be here is. next year. I, oh, I <laughs> You have my steel, obviously. I mean, next year, who knows? Maybe we should do, uh, uh, if they, well, they don't usually have many that take place in uh, places other than Earth, but maybe space. Uh, I'm, I'm always open space. to ideas. <laughs> Where could well, people find you? Uh, specialmarkproductions.com for all your movie man needs. Uh, I do. Uh, I am sorry I have to split, uh, but uh, I thank you for doing this, Daniel. Oh, and, thank uh, you. As always, it's it's always fun to talk to all these wonderful people who know far more than I do about things, and I uh, am uh, happy to go along for the ride. So, thank you much, Mark, and you take bet. it easy. You bet. Damn, Angelique. Final thoughts on this thing. I'm just gonna open the door of my prayer closet and sling my notebook out. <laughs> <laughs> Ow. Oh, what a disappointment. Oh. Oh. Uh, I mean, just don't tease me like that. Yep. You're going to say monsters are going to fight? Give me a fight. Don't make it like, you know, what I do on the third day. <laughs> wrap my tentacles around somebody and just lay down. <laughs> 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 I mean <laughs> I want I, I don't want this movie when you get when you say Monster Island, I want one of two things. I either want a Dracula castle full of werewolves and vampires and bats and creatures going at it, or I want the you know, beast of all beasts. I want Godzilla right. fighting Ghidorah, you know, give me some clash. Give me somebody to cheer for and somebody to want to be destroyed. Don't give me a winged starfish. <laughs> don't, don't give me weirdo lore and stuff that doesn't work out. Because, I mean, I know, I know it was like she was an amalgamation of the Mothra chicks. And, right. You know, that sort of thing. But... You know, for somebody who likes big monsters and big explosions and big action, this one just didn't do it. As much as I love Eric Roberts, he was not enough to salvage. Mm. Now, give me a movie about Nihilus Jacques Cousteau, and I'm in there. I want to go to Fiji with him. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but the the overall mockbuster summer was a success once again. Well, you know. Well, I, I'll come around to that one. Yeah. Do you think you'll ever watch Monster Island again? No. Mm. Not unless you make me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's it. Gloves are off. Yeah, you're right. This thing fell flat. This thing, the box art was a lie. I've been had. <laughs> I've been cheated. I just ordered sunglasses off of Wish, and they came back, and they weren't the right type. This, <laughs> this is, again, you'll see my chart. This is a, v, a V6 flick. This has, for every good, 
effect or special effect that they used, there was an equally horrible one that is just, again, this was just, it's like a perfect 90 degree angle because everything that was good, there was something that was equally or just as bad. And the worst sin of all, that box art is a travesty. That box art is a red box at Walmart with a horror movie with a chick getting pulled from behind and she's clawing at the ground. Or you got some kid staring at you with a pentagram carved in his forehead and it's like Satan's next door. And you think it's going to be the most evil thing. It's like some movie that has some like chick with boobies all over her back and like claws. And there's a dude with a meat cleaver and a chainsaw and like a ninja with fireballs. And the title of it's going to be like Belphegor 4. And you're thinking <laughs> could be the coolest movie ever and you take it home and it's not and that i'm rambling on this but that is how awful that box art ticks me off the artist needs a raise the <laughs> that artwork is stellar now and if people agree on paying for art if you paid a buck for this poster i mean that's really cool five bucks hanging up in your on your wall in your room in your office is freaking cool don't watch well not gonna tell you not to watch it but man you ain't getting that in this flick. What they show you in the box art is not what you're going to get on this. Will I watch it again? Not if I choose to. Let me put it that way. If I have my druthers, there'll be other flicks that I would pop in before this one. It's sad to say, man. What a bummer. <laughs> what a bummer of a way to end. I can't say a bummer because I have had fun the whole time, but daggum, man. Just the whole way that they, the monster the big horrible starfish that was just minding its own business. And then the mountain who also was minding his own business. And then we have to go bother both of them and carpet bomb one of them and then blow it up with a mystical obsidian arrow. It's just, just man, what a bummer. So yeah, that <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, monster <laughs> Island, ain't no <laughs> monsters, ain't even really an Island, but there you go from the asylum made for sci-fi pictures. If y'all will give me three minutes to tinkle, take a quick break, if we will, ladies and gentlemen, I want to wrap this whole thing up, the whole fantastic mockbuster summer. I'll come around to everybody at the table once again and get your final thoughts on everything. But if you will, indulge me for one final break, if you please. Oh, air. <laughs> After these messages, we'll be right back. Is your hair spiking uncontrollably? Oh, dude. Do you find yourself wearing head to toe Ed Hardy with no explanation? I heard that. Do you feel cold spots all around you where your dude bros should be? Oh my gosh, guys, 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 I'm getting it again. I'm getting it again. I'm getting it again. I'm getting it again right now. If you answered yes to any of these questions, you are suffering from a chronic vitamin G deficiency. Oh my, oh my god! But never fear, your hostess with the ghostess has the cure. Join us on Paranormal Schlockdown, where we'll go through every episode of Ghost Adventures. Ghost Adventures. Examining the evidence. I just saw something. Keeping track of every Zack rage. I do not feel right up here. But most importantly, we'll see what happens to Aaron. Dude, I swear to God, 
Guys, I keep hearing something like right over here. We'll raid each episode and learn about all the rad equipment these dude bros use to capture paranormal activity. There will be special guests and lots of surprises for connoisseurs of the creepy. Get locked down with Paranormal Schlockdown. This is how Ghost Adventures crew gets locked down. Find us on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, or the podcast app of your choice. Come with us and stay spooky. <laughs> I wasn't being a hard ass. If y'all need to take like 10 minutes or two hours or tell me to go to hell, y'all can do that too. I mean, it's whatever. I don't know if everybody else is here. Man, get on the horn. Get on the horn. Oh, I'm on the horn. I'm on the horn. Let's get it. Let's go daylight. Burning daylight. Oh, thank you. Yes, sir. Sergeant two times. Yes, sir. Russo, <laughs> I am on this. Ah, okay, we are back, and it's time to wrap up once again the second annual, hopefully not the last, Mockbuster Summer. This year, insert Bram now. Mockbuster Summer. Kaiju. Oh, what the hell? Sorry. Baycam activated. <clears throat> Mockbuster <laughs> Summer. Kaiju. <laughs> you know what? Give us the bay cam. I'll be doing that intermittently around here because that's right. I want the slow rope and I want the wind in my hair. And it, yeah, we're going to make this look good. Cue the music. We got the Jablonski score. We got the tent strings. Paul. Yes. You were here last year. Us. You you are the I'm trying to think of what you are in this group other than the voice of reason the actual professional critic here might I add well Mark is too Mark but he too. he's not afraid to debase himself so you <laughs> being the <laughs> you being the actual professional critic and all and are back what do you think about this mockbuster summer final thoughts on this year final thoughts on the asylum I Ooh, always in back man come on yeah I, I always enjoy doing this with you guys I I. The, the reason why, and I think I made this comment after hours in one of our conversations, I think the reason why you see us in a lot of each other's podcasts Nobody is because else will do them. I'm sorry. <laughs> that, that's it. That's it. No. It's because we love talking about films with each other. And that's what I love about these type of shows. And so I have my own bunch of films that I like to look at. I'm, I'm more horror-based and more of the, like, high-end science fiction, you know, like the Wrigley Scott-type science fiction type stuff. Yeah, exactly, exactly. The ritzy <laughs> art, the art <laughs> science fiction. So those type of things, those are the type of films that I like. And so if for me to be able to talk about films that are in the opposite end of the, the spectrum, um, is, it's, it's actually refreshing. It's a good, it's like the reason why you have ginger with, with your uh, sushi is that you need a palate cleanse every every you know every now and then Very you true. you are my palate cleanser <laughs> wow, wow. <laughs> i'll take uh, it as a compliment yeah and i will i do this of course i'll do this now as much as i keep harping on asylum a lot of that is is coming down to my my level of how i want to be as as a critic mm -hmm. i understand so, completely yeah so 
I admire what they attempt to do. And they're, they are, like Mark said, they are giving opportunities for stars that are no longer in the mainstream or have never been in the mainstream to begin with. Mm-hmm. And because of their name, as much as I turn away from their name, people are going to gravitate toward that name. Oh, it's the Asylum. I'm going to go watch this film. And they're giving a huge amount of opportunities for a lot of people. So, you know, keep doing what you're doing, Asylum, because, you know, there's people that love you. There's people that love to hate you. And it's, it's, who cares if that's, if that's the world? You know, we, we're going to exist. And, you know, and, and out, of all these, out of all the films that we watched, I'm going to say that the third film um, was the one, the, the Resurrection film, mm-hmm. probably my favorite out of the bunch. Oh, nice. Nice choice. So, yeah. I'm going to go with that. <laughs> Hell yeah. Angelique, what's the final thoughts on the asylum, the mockbuster summer? Are you going to watch these again? Did you have fun? You know, <laughs> maybe oh, always, always have fun. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm an asylum kid. You know? <laughs> <laughs> you know? I'm always going to watch these movies. Number one, just for the strict, draw of them again i am a label shopper mm-hmm. you know when it comes down to it if you show me a flashy picture i'm going to take it for a test drive so I, i'll watch three of these films again probably oh. maybe two if i really want to be honest mm-hmm. um i have to i'm on the same page as, as paul with uh, that Atlantic Rim Resurrection was the favorite out of the bunch for me. Um, just the the scene with the practical goop <laughs> autopsy that was that was a gem. But cool. no, I'll I'll I'll, uh, I'll gladly join the Earth Defense Force as many times as needed. <laughs> Hell yes, always great to hear. And I've been saying, if you're finished with your final thoughts, anything else you're free to add anymore, and anybody can jump in at any time. Justin. Yes, sir. Uh, we broke you in, man. Oh, yeah. You know, um, whether you've seen them before, because I guarantee you, you have and just didn't know it was the asylum. But now, for the first time, <laughs> you have intentionally sat down to watch at least once four asylum films, not knowing who they were, don't divulge that yet. Not knowing who they were or what's going on. Give me some final thoughts, man. <laughs> Are you still my friend? <laughs> I mean, if Paul is oh, still most my definitely, friend. most definitely. I'll and I'll be back next year right off the top. But um, I've I've uh, grown an odd appreciation for the asylum over the past <laughs> month. Um, it's a morbid fascination. Yes, almost like watching a train wreck. You know, you just kind of uh, <laughs> but. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, I almost went all over my laptop. <laughs> but um, you just like Paul said, you know, you love some, you hate some, but you you have to treat each movie in its own vacuum because if just watch Atlantic Rim the first one and watch the second one, and you'll see you'll see what we mean there. There's there's definitely a distinction between the two. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, but, you're gonna watch more Asylum flicks. 
Probably not in the next couple of days. I'll probably Years. simmer off a fuck you for a couple of weeks, but I'm not. <laughs> maybe maybe down the road I'll watch a few more asylum movies. I think I need my maybe I need I need to watch some other trash. Maybe I'll watch some full moon movies. There you go. I mean the, the comparison is there. I mean yeah. look look at there. Asylum, there it is. Uh David, whenever you do listen to this, hopefully you do, or at least we're gonna mention it to you in the email, the follow-up email that we send you. So I told you I'd have a convert. And we have a convert. <laughs> Full disclosure, y'all. And just as a bonus, um, I do work uh, jointly. What am I, Justin? Am I like, am I chief operating officer and executive producer at Monsters Madness and Magic? Sounds good to me. <laughs> All right, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. No, Give yourself as, a bigger as, title. <laughs> bigger title. <laughs> as uh, as <clears throat> executive producer and chief operating officer. Um, I manage a lot of things at Monsters Madness and Magic. Mainly Justin manages me, but when things come up, I help produce. I'm a producer. Anyway, a couple of weeks ago, I sat down for a couple of hours with David Michael Latt, the executive producer, owner of the asylum. And I got to gush with him for a couple of hours. But, uh, oh yeah, we went all over. I mean, and it wasn't, I didn't give him a Dutch rudder. It wasn't anything. I, I would have, but no, it just... <laughs> We sat and chat. Justin, reason I said Justin, don't divulge it is he he was there, but uh, and I didn't want. That's why I didn't tell you, Angelique. I didn't tell Mark. I didn't tell you, Paul. I didn't want to contaminate the sample because just like I said, I want that's whether you like so it or hate cool. it. Cool, my want, God. Whether whether you're, <laughs> I I want you on here. We want to have fun. We want to watch these movies. I love them, and I'll get to my final thoughts and rambling, but. I want, I didn't want to contaminate because if you knew that I had spoken with him or that he might be listening or would know about it, you would be honest. And I told you more than I want, whether you love the movie or hate it, I don't care. I just want you honest. That's all. We just come here, have fun. I mean, the fact that you're on here that I asked you on here means I know enough about you to feel like it's safe going. But yeah, uh, a couple of weeks ago, we sat down and just chewed the fat, like two solid hours of the asylum, him talking about the company how it started. I won't give a whole lot of spoilers on that. You can check monsters, madness and magic.com. We'll be posting that probably the day after we up, we uh, post this one. So you can go and listen to that. It's really cool. There isn't any kind of crazy effects or anything that I do. Like in this show, it's just me sitting down, basically just chatting with him. I didn't even fanboy out, but I asked like how he, how he got started, where it came from. The idea for the right. asylum is, it's really eye-opening. Let me go ahead and give you this little tidbit of nugget because you did mention this, Paul, and and it's not even like a mean-spirited repost. No, I think it was Mark that mentioned it. It's not even a, like a repost or anything. It's just for them to make these movies and you're like wondering how in the world did they make this or stuff. You know, the Asylum has never come, has never gone over budget on any film they've ever done. He gives, David Latt gives the secret in the podcast to how they do the film. It's really simple. It's, it's like, wow, okay, cool. And, and I mean, it's like, wow, big reveal. But no, he lays it out, what they do. Now, there are other factors in that, that, you know, where he was born and being located. And so it's all in the connections. But he even gives that. He, he lays it out. How do you make it? Like, how would somebody like me or my son or us, what is it? What is the secret? He lays it out. And it's what, what's really nice. It's what we've been doing, but I just thought I'd let y'all know. So there's, there's the beans have been spilled is that, uh, so when you do listen to this, David, hopefully you were still listening 
because I told you, you know, we're honest and we will strafe them in loving fun. I stress mm-hmm. that the whole time is that, oh yeah, we'll, <laughs> we'll be vicious, but it is all in good fun because I love the asylum films. I love everything they do, whether it's the movie, whether I like the movie or not. They are, as a kid, I said this in the beginning, born in 1980. So I grew up in the eighties, you know, formative years, the late eighties and the early nineties. So full moon. I mean, that's my bread and butter. I'm a horror kid. The asylum is the full moon of this generation. Now we have a couple of other companies that are running tangential with it, like Aerostorm out of Utah, or you have Uncorked or wild eye, but the asylum rides Vanguard. They get a lot of shit for what they do. And I have been most recently, I'm not calling any names, but I've been in a podcast before And it's not just the one in particular I'm thinking of, but where directors were talking about them being an indie director or an indie filmmaker. And they talk about how hard the struggle is and wanting to make connections. And, you know, we're all in it together. We just want to make art and stuff. When you bring up the asylum, next thing you know, it's this one minute long screed of them cussing out the asylum. Filth, foul, filth, stupid, filth, F, filth, 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 F them, man. I hate them. Give me the money that they had and I could be blah, 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 blah. I'm not sure the asylum, I'm not sure David Ladd could hear you from the bank, first of all. But second of all, you just stop being a hypocrite. They make, look, they know what they are. The asylum, I have a nice little cheat sheet of stuff that like little hit thingies that I points to make. Oh yeah, that's right. I have it in my Google drive. But first of all, the fact that they don't ever come over budget, they tell you what it's going to be and they do it. So, I mean, they're already a success right there. The thing about movie business kitties just like I tell you children, not y'all here in the group, but just, you know, the rhetorical children, just like I tell y'all, like I tell my son, if you don't want it remembered, don't say it. If you don't say it, you'll never have to worry about regretting anything. Okay. But just be careful what you say. And if you say you're going to do it, do it. So final thoughts on the asylum. They're fun. At any point <laughs> in this mockbuster summer, I can safely tell you at no point was I ever not having fun. Now, (laughs) I did a lot of phone surfing, as Derek calls it, Derek Carey from our gracious benefactor from Master Radio Z, as he calls it, phone surfing during a film. I did a lot of that on a couple of these. But at no point was I ever not having fun, either watching the film or knowing that I was going to be doing this. I love it. It just they're fun. It's, I said it before, shitty movie Sunday. This is just, I, I told David Latt that in our interview is, and I, you know, warned him at the beginning. It's like, look, when I call it shitty, it's, I've done it for so long. It's a term of endearment. And he just, he chuckled whenever I said that because, and even he at times said, yeah, you know, we make shitty movies, but look, they're a business. Guess what businesses do? The good ones, they make money. So They've made a movie and it's fun and whatnot, but guess what? They've also made money. They are doing what they love to do for a living and making money while they do it. So circling around to previously other podcasters or podcast episodes I've been talking with and stuff, who's the douchebag? Like, <laughs> seriously, you know, do the math. Look at all the movies that we have that got written and developed by, by him, like, that's his company. Nothing. He's like Vince McMahon. Nothing goes out of there that he doesn't know about. Y'all know they make Christmas movies. 
Y'all know they make kids movies. I had no idea they were that widespread. Mm -hmm. Anyway, the asylum is a well-orchestrated, well-oiled machine. Do not let the slapdash approach to their films fool you. Okay. They've been in this for a long time at this point, <laughs> a long freaking time. So as you'll find out in the uh, interview I have with Mr. Latt, there is a formula to these asylum films. And that formula is money. It's not a charity. Okay. They're here to make money. It's not art. I'm, <laughs> I even put a, a lull after that. Yes, it is. Or yes, it can be. It can be art and it should be viewed in its own merits, whether you like it or not, because it's art is subjective. But guess what? This is also to make money. And guess who's making money? They are. I feel like Rob Reiner and Throw Mama from the Train. You know, you want to make art? Go and rent your $50,000 camera and establish a lingering shot on a flower in a black and white and use an authentic period piece nails on the door jam and submit it to all the festivals and A24 and make sure you name drop on all the right podcasts and make sure you follow all your PC behavioral guidelines. Make sure you adhere to all your decorum whenever you're speaking with the different hosts. Grimace at certain names like Weinstein. Make sure you shudder and shake a little salt over you and dance around in a circle three times and cancel everybody else and off sorry that was rob reiner's voice but that was just me saying that because that's you want to make art go and do it you want to have fun here's the asylum you know what else they do mark mentioned this mark you stole my thunder because i actually made a note of this earlier they help and they hire young up-and-coming directors and actors and crew for their films i'm not going any further you can listen to david latt tell you about that there are people that they give opportunity in this industry that would never get it ever and the asylum and guess what they get paid holy hold on i gotta open the door for that one <laughs> holy shit they get paid for the work that they do so again i mean and i could ramble on and on you know i love the asylum some movies more than others strafing them is fun but the asylum is inspiring they have they i watch a movie that they do and it is so inspiring the fact that I can sit here in my vocal booth, which doubles as my closet, making black metal, and also in a genre called Dungeon Synth, where I make synthesized soundtracks and Halloween music and stuff. But I watched the Asylum film, and wow, they did it. Why can't I? So I've been, again, I ramble on and on about the podcast, and I can ramble on and on about the Mockbuster Summer. I love it. Thank y'all for being on here. Thank you for doing this because this shit is so much fun. I can't wait to see what nefarious movies I could torture you that I can have fun with y'all with next year that we can watch. <laughs> so yeah, just keep that in mind and uh, keep your ears and your eyes open for that interview with David Latt. So we're going to go one final time around this here table and I want to find out. I want y'all to sell me something. I want you to tell me where you can go to find you because the, oh yeah, I, I promised David I would do this for him also. But all of these films, I found them on Amazon Prime. And if they're not there, uh, Atlantic Rim is not. That one's actually hard to find. But you can find it on Tubi, Pluto, Voodoo, Lumio, Lib Snaps, and Grib Flaps. Everywhere else, it, you can find it. He, like I said, they're making money. They've been paid. So all these movies that you can now stream, I mean, hell, it's basically for free. If you can do it on Amazon Prime, you've already bought it. So you can stream it. So I just, I promised him that I would be pushing that out too, that, you know, you can go and see it. So Paul, sell me some shit. Where could I find you? Uh, I am known as the, bo uh, the bull tie, uh, the bow tie critic. Uh, <laughs> so 
if you if you look on the, for bow tie stuff, uh, I am there. But most of the time, I like to spend a lot of time in the Film Jerks podcast where we talk about films like Little Old Ladies in a Book Club. I'm insert the cheering crowd. <laughs> Eloquently <laughs> stated. <laughs> oh, yeah, no. Keep a check. What did we do most? Oh, yeah, our off-topic one, which was the... Uh, so if you haven't listened to that, by the time this is out, that should... That'll probably be posted, but our Saturday morning cartoons episode, that one was really fun. That was yeah, fun. I love the hell out of that. Justin Young. Yes, sir. Where can we find you? Sell us something. You can find me on monstersmadnessandmagic.com, and you can find the podcast on all platforms where we uh, talk to people like David Latt, and uh, we've got a lot of cool stuff coming up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we got we got a few good ones that are uh, in the works right now. So, yeah, that would yeah monsters madness and magic.com you'll i mean yeah angelique where can people find you sell us something i know you've got like a cbs receipt i know i have to have a list now so i don't forget one. <laughs> oh lord listen to this so yes yeah, she might not even be here next year she's so busy oh crap i will be right <laughs> here in my prayer closet i wouldn't miss this for the world Okay, <laughs> so um, you can find me on Film Jerks, um, hanging out there quite a bit um, with this crew. Um, you can find me on Astro Radio Z, all the gimmicks. Um, got my own show, Paranormal Schlockdown. So you can go to Facebook and search for Paranormal Schlockdown, and you'll see me running around there screaming about Ghost Adventures and Zach and Aaron and the whole crew. And you can also find me on monstersmadnessandmagic.com. My first review went live uh, a couple days ago, and uh, I'm excited to put some more stuff out. Our newest recruit. <laughs> applause, applause. That's, oh, yeah, it's coming. Believe me. It's, coming. It's, like a, it's like a wrestling match. We have like Mean Gene Oakland coming out. Hello, everybody. I want to give you some final links to where you can find our contestants today. <laughs> and I am Daniel. When I am not making, well, I'm always making music. And you can find me at Obsidian Relic Records on Bandcamp or Saragost uh, if you like Dungeon Synth. And Halloween's coming up, so that means it might be time for another Nightkeep album. Keep your ears peeled on that one. And otherwise, everywhere that these people mentioned, you can also find me. I'm a film jerk. And it's basically the same thing I'm here now, only I'm just chiming in like a little kid. I don't have to maintain some semblance of order or anything. Paul can just shrug his shoulders, shake his head, oh, God, and then change the subject to what we were supposed to be talking about anyway. So, yeah. <laughs> This has been the bottom rack. We have been the Earth Defense Force with the fifth now. I have been the Daniel, and we will holler at y'all later. Over. <laughs> is that like Pacific Rim? <laughs> yes. yes. Only yes, Justin. It's it like rude. the beauty of the asylum. Oh my. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Justin. It's hilarious. Yeah, I'll see you in hell. Kaiju, Angelique, and I'm not talking about like a Yiddish Mortal Kombat character. <laughs> I mean, Kaiju. <laughs> I'm. I mean. I was confused. Thank you for clarifying. <laughs> respect. Respect how brazen they are. Because. <laughs> That, yeah. The dice. Some of them deliver. Some of them are entertaining, and some of them you're trying not to fall asleep on 
uh, package. The, the box art always is interesting. It's good. <laughs> I'm, I'm, uh, I'm really not that hard to please when it comes to films. So, well, maybe I'll have that same opinion at the end of this. We can revisit that opinion later, but um, <laughs> yeah, we'll re- we'll hear this sound clip again later. <laughs> I, I'm confident, you know. I'm confident, you know. I've I've watched my many a sci-fi flick. These are our Patrick Nagels. I mean, I want to see these in the nail salons. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> yes! <laughs> the true professional <laughs> of the group. The, ac- the actual... <laughs> I say, well, it's not that Mark isn't an actual critic, but Mark is biased because he actually enjoys these. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> these lips are for praising the Lord and drinking coffee. It's not like a Norman Bates thing. It's just, you know, I have to walk my mother's dog. It, it's <laughs> it's uh, nothing bad. It's a dog. With asylum films, I usually like to find some kind of a deeper meaning. And the only... <laughs> I'm sorry. O- I don't know if you paid attention to what I've been calling this just this isn't the summer blockbuster. Tyrese would have those little one-liners like in Transformers. You know, the difference between that though is that Transformers was good. <laughs> I was gonna say Transformers was good. <laughs> it's a good thing y'all are here. I'm just gonna open the door of my prayer closet and sling my notebook out. <laughs> <laughs> All of a sudden, the the rimming begins again. <laughs> the um, I can't wait to see what nefarious movies I can torture that I can have fun with y'all with next year that we can watch. <laughs> Stay consistent. Yeah, they keep throwing more stuff in there, but overall, the the, the spine of this film stays consistent. And uh, I'm just going to warn people now. Enjoy this. Enjoy <laughs> that. You have. God, I just spiked my mic on that one. Sorry, y'all. <laughs> and the asylum. And guess what? They get paid. Holy. Oh, I got to open the door for that one. <laughs> Holy shit. The final thoughts on the asylum. They're fun. Keep doing what you're doing, asylum, because, you know, there's people that love you. There's people that love to hate you. And it's so who cares if that's if that's the world, you know? We, we're gonna exist. I've uh, grown an odd appreciation for the asylum over the past <laughs> month. Um, it's a morbid fascination. Yes. What I do on the third day? <laughs> Wrap my tentacles around somebody and just lay down. <laughs> 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 I've been had. I've been cheated. <laughs> I can't wait for you to watch these. The Asylum is the full moon of this generation. Now, we have a couple of other companies that are running tangential with it, like Aerostorm out of Utah, or you have Uncorked or Wild Eye, but the Asylum rides Vanguard. I don't watch anything like Avengers or. You take your little triple A budget titles. 
No, I just go to Amazon Prime <laughs> and look for that sweet, sweet, awesome box art that has like that slight little watercolor and posterization that they do to it that just lets you recognize that it's an asylum film. Out of here. Stick a fork in it. Pick and turn us with a stepladder. It's done, son. Oh, crap. I'm still recording. Hold on. Turning it. Remember to climb to the top. Sometimes you must reach for the bottom. He's got one of those uh, cockpits. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to have to wait till next year to watch another Asylum movie. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get too ahead of yourself. Halloween's <laughs> around the corner. <laughs> Maybe we'll do Full Moon in October. I can handle that like 2,000 times more than this. That would be cool. If we did a Full Moon Octoween, that'd be awesome. Done. Yeah.